On this episode of AV Week, Layard has bought Planar, Extron has bought Entwine, and we're going to talk about where exactly projection mapping belongs. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like the HD Base T Alliance. This is AV Week, episode 208, recorded Friday, August 14th, 2015, Week of Acquisitions. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us this week. Uh, his name is Chris Bach. He is from Extron Electronics. How are you, sir? Very well. Thank you for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, also with us is Dennis Holster. Dennis is from Powerhouse Alliance. Welcome, sir. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Uh, and last but not least, Cody Kochaber from Jido. You got it. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, you actually, Dennis, you should have released a new product this week because the other the other two guys have done so. so <laughs> come up with something by the end of the show, and we'll we'll you got an hour. Yeah, you got an hour. We'll 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 come up with it. But no, it, it's it's kind of cool. Um, Cody's uh, company, Jido, came up with with uh, a really interesting um, AV and, and control over over the network and, and Extron, you know, we'll talk about them as well, but they, they had a couple of really cool announcements this week. Um, first, and, and if you've, you're not familiar with what AV Week does and what we do, is we take the news and, and we we kind of wrap it up and, and tell you why it matters to you as, as the AV integrator, as the AV community. We have so many, let's call them uh, acquisitions this week. Um, and so acquisitions and, and company movements how about that um first though i, I just kind of want to say a, a quick shout out and, and a quick congratulations to uh, our friends over at commercial integrator uh last year they did something called the 40 under 40. Uh, i was very honored uh and, and very humbled to be a part of that rookie class as as they called it uh and so just this morning just this uh they just recently uh, announced uh this year's edition of the 40 under 40. And there are so many people that are um, very deserving uh, winning a, a this award. A couple of them that that have something to do with with uh, with AV Nation and, and and kind of the things that we do. One of them is is our buddy Bill O'Donnell. Bill's been on our EdTech uh, program. He's also, uh, if you've ever seen us running around um, Infocom or ISE. He's been one of our main camera guys. He's been a great producer for us, so congratulations to him. Uh, Krista Bender, uh, who's been on our show before. Hope Roth, uh, great, great programming mind. Uh, she was one of them. Um, so there's uh, all sorts of other people. Uh, Victoria Ferrari, who's been on the show several times. Uh, Marina Gregory, uh, who's a part of Advanced AV, who's, who's one of our underwriters, as, as is Extron. Uh, she was she was one of these. So uh, congratulations, Mike Tomei. He's also on our EdTech show. Heather Sidorowitz, uh, who's been on AV Week several times. So if you're if you're interested in it, go to uh, commercialintegrator.com 
a lot of these folks are going to be with us next week at the CI Summit. Uh, and that's a, another programming note for you. We're, we're going to do a, a special from the CI Summit next week at uh, at um, uh, in D.C., I think. Yeah, it's in D.C. So there, there's the, the 40 under 40. Um, I'm Congratulations no to you then, Tim. I'm not on it. I was on last year's. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I was on last year's. I, I'm, I'm not eligible anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Must have been the haircut. Right it was the, the haircut. That it, it was the hair. <laughs> it was it was a haircut last last year. They uh, I turned forty in May of last year, and they released it. What was it August or September of last year? And I think they were very very nice. Let's put it that way. There was a a couple of us that had turned forty last year, and that was like the just under the under the radar there. So. I heard they were thinking of changing the working title, 40 at or equal or under 40. <laughs> don't don't give an engineer a joke book. Just I'm just saying, you know, that's that. There's more where that came from. I, I Yes, I know. I know. Trust me. I've heard some of your jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just starting. All right. Let's see. Who the heck should we go to first? Um, all right. Let's do Layard, right? Uh, Layard purchased Planar. Layard, Planar, Layard, Planar. Um, Layard made a huge splash this year at Infocom. Uh, they had some really great uh, displays, and they now have purchased, or in the process of purchasing, Planar, which traditionally has been more of a video wall company in that sort of, of I guess, that area of, of the industry. Uh, Dennis, we'll start with you on this one. What does this do for Layard, first of all, and then what does it do to Planar, this acquisition, this coming on board, this company that, that seems to be at least on, on, on the upswing as opposed to, you know, floundering in the LED wall space? First and foremost, it puts them on the map. Um, <clears throat> it, it takes a brand name, adds them to their repertoire, puts them on the map, and suddenly they're in the business as opposed to a, I don't want to say a bystander, but uh, I'll call them a bystander. And Planar's name, I think their financial capabilities will add to them. And I, I think from here on in, uh, it'll be something to be dealt with. All right, very good. Chris, from your standpoint, what does this do for for Planar being uh, being a part of you know a bigger company, at least in my mind, a bigger company. Probably something similar to what we got going on with the story you're going to cover later it gives everybody a shot in the arm. You know, you pull your resources and you've got a bigger army to go out for what is obviously increasing in scope. A lot of people that I talked to that went to Infocom all said that they were looking at video walls and they couldn't believe the size of the millions that they're down to at this point, so there's obviously a push now to use flat panels like never before, whereas in the past you always had that big annoying gap in the center there that you could tell from 10 feet or closer was right up there in your face. I'm hearing things like one millimeter. Sub gaps. one millimeter. Yeah, like 0.8 yes. at some point, um, which is crazy. I can't imagine installing those things. I just imagine there's no raw material hold that thing in place at this point you got to totally feather it into some sort of unistrat i suppose well at this point and that's the thing with the with the point a chris you mentioned the you know you could you could tell the gap you could tell the pitch which is what they the term they use the pitch is is the distance between each each led the pitch is 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 less than a millimeter now and 10 feet off you can't tell right 10 feet right. off you can't tell that it's an led 
So, Cody, from your standpoint, uh, you've been in AV for a long time. What's uh, What does this do for, for Layard? Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting move. Um, you know, Planar has such a, a great name, and Layard being a larger company, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this acquisition, whether they stick with that, that name, that sub-brand name, or if they kind of layer them into, you know, their their larger corporate name. Um you know, having that reputation in the industry already as they do, it'd be hard to move away and drop the brand name. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. All right. So let's let's pull pull in somebody who's done this this week. Uh, and that's Chris again. Well, uh, Extron uh, announced this week that they purchased Entwine AG of Zurich, Switzerland, a company, quote unquote, involved in software development uh, used for um, uh, producing uh, open source technologies and Twine specializes in building end-to-end video capture and presentation capture solutions. So, Mr. Bach, um, you've got some interesting things. You you do you do something called an open box um, where you you break open, you take a an Extron product and you crack it open and you show people how it does and, and what it what uses. It's interesting because you don't edit the sucker. You go from start to finish, and you're getting ready to do one for your guys' existing. Um, right. Video capture. What does this do for for you? What does this do for Extron? Well, the SMP three fifty one is the box that you're talking about. That's one of our most red hot things we got going now. It is a capture box and it is a streamer simultaneously. And what it does for us is it gives us a big shot in the arm software wise for ways we can manage a box like that. So. A lot of these kinds of boxes frequently are marketed for higher education. So you got a class, you miss the class, you watch it after the fact. But a box like this could very well be in a hospital. It could be in some sort of corporate environment too, where you have a sales meeting and people watch it after the fact. The software that these SEAL team engineers wrote handles these kinds of boxes. The OpenCast Matterhorn open standard software is an example of what I'm talking about. It on some server talks to these units and says based on a calendar I want you to record this class for this long and then when I'm done with it put it in this location and then have somebody go in after the fact and add metadata or thumbnails so that it's more attractive and easy to find you could be dealing with hundreds of thousands of recordings by the time it's done so the box has a relatively easy job but it does a good job with it but sometimes managing all that content on the back end takes a lot more work and that's what those guys did was basically software like that OpenCast Matterhorn that makes all that management possible either on a small scale or on a huge enterprise scale. We have some stuff that we've been making called SCM and EMP, the Streaming Content Manager and our player and this takes that to the next level. So you, when you say it gives you a shot in the arm from the software side, you're talking about the back end, not, not the user yes. interface side? Okay. Correct. The user side could be any number of things. There's a face on the SMP with a bunch of buttons. So if someone's got it in a podium and they're comfortable with transport control buttons, they can do it right there with no control system. Or we could have a touch panel or some sort of panel in the room that controls things like lights and projector down and things like that to operate that. Or we could have it all automated through this kind of software like we're talking about. It could either be pushed, it gets assimilated by OpenCast Matterhorn, or it imports an iCal file 
something that OpenCast can create or Google Calendar can create or any number of other things. Okay, all right. Uh, Dennis, from where you stand, from you where you stand, what, what does this mean for both for, you know, for Entwine, but also for, for Extron and, and, their, and their class capture stuff? I think that business right now is starting to explode. So, you know, obviously if they can, um, you know, go from hitting a single to hitting a home run by this and, and I assume the value is right, they, they now have put themselves in way advanced of anybody else pretty much in the industry. And from our perspective, when, you know, schools and all of this thing, it's becoming so popular that uh, – Soon you're never going to have to leave your sofa. You're just going to be able to pull everything up. And if you miss 12 classes and you'll just be able to play them back through a software management program like this and you're ready to go. So uh, I think I might go get another degree now. Okay. Now, now hang on for a second. You, you, you hit on something, right? And this is we, – we do a, a monthly show called EdTech. We, we focus on education. That pedagogical, pedagogical discussion has happened more and more. That the, the subject right there that Dennis hit on, and that is students not going to class, and it depends on the on the, on the university you're talking to, which mm-hmm. will determine their point of view, and that is if they're paying the tuition, they're paying for their books. Does it matter if they physically go to class, right? And I don't know if I'm progressive or if I'm naive, but I personally don't think it does really. Um, you know, you've got had, had, you know, iTunes University has been around for years. We're talking probably, I know for a fact, eight years. Um, and you've had folks like Harvard and Stanford and so many others put their classes online. And, and you know, Dennis, you're right. You could go get another degree from the company. You know, what's interesting, though, Tim, is I just talked to a couple of universities earlier this year, and there's a disparaging gap between forward-thinking ones like you're inferring and some that have been in the game mostly on the instructor side for decades where they worry this technology will devalue their existence. Their IP will suddenly just be out there for everybody and why would you need a professor anymore when you could just watch the video at this point? So okay. I wonder how we'll get uh, some over that hump too but, as we but talk But to that point, can't you encrypt some of those files? You can... Absolutely. Okay. But I think people that aren't used to technology at all, we're talking about people that flip on a light switch and put a Mylar slide on the overhead projector in some cases. Just assume that by it being recorded, it could be anywhere. Please tell me no one is still using those overhead. (laughs) You unfortunately might be surprised. You know what? I I left education two years ago. We were still pushing you know, VCRs, we're still, still trying to find VCRs, so. We sell a lot of scalers with composite inputs. For yeah, I know. Uh, Cody, from your standpoint, what's this mean uh, for, for class capture? No, I think it's a really great move. In the power that is in just purely software-based solutions, um, good on Nextron to recognize that and pick up this tremendous capture software that's based on open standards. So, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible what people can do with software, but also recognizing like where people are coming from and building on top of existing things. Like this, this, this company is using OpenCast, Matterhorn, which I've seen a few different capture, capture softwares use. It's a great open source software that exists already, but then building 
the tools on top of that to actually manage all those files, that's really where the, the power comes in. So yeah. I think that's a that's a tremendous difficult problem to solve and hopefully, you know, Extron and their new acquisition can entwine together and make a really great great product. That was a good play there. That, like, very nice. That hardware yes. endpoint. Very very well done, Cody. Very well done. Um, using the the N twenty. Never mind. All right. Uh, next up, good Lord Almighty, uh, TV one. Do TV one uh, is. I guess the best way to put this is divorcing uh, Nortec, um, which is interesting. And that, let's kind of go through this. If you, if you haven't paid attention to Nortec the last few years, uh, let let's look at. Well, we've got an interesting. Somebody has their their speed. We got a on. feedback loop somewhere. We do. Um, Nortech has had some acquisition fun over the last few years. They picked up quite a few folks, and TV One was one of them. And now they are doing an MBO, which I am not a, a I do not have an MBA. So this is basically I'm putting it in in Tim speak. They're they're divorcing from Nortech. They're doing a a management buyout. And they say TV One part for TV One's part, they're very excited about it. Uh, they expect this to actually be the best thing for the brand and, and for the company. Uh, Dennis, we'll kick this off with you. This is this, you know, are they right? Are the folks, the management team at TV One, right? Is this a good thing for TV One? Um, Nortec went out and assembled a, a bunch of great companies. And then these companies were acting on their own, basically, and decides to integrate them. And I think hindsight's always 2020, but the integration, they tried to integrate them all at once. And I think what happened is this is a, a case of a good company being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And with so much going on at, at Nortec and Core, et cetera, et cetera, I, I think this company found themselves on the outside, as did some of the other ones, and they just weren't proceeding quickly. Um, this one went a different direction. The other ones are starting to get adapted and, and doing okay, but um, I think that's what this was. It was just at the wrong place, wrong time, not moving, and the management there said, hey, maybe we ought to get away. Yeah, yeah. and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Nortec has, Core has had some issues, you know, some financial issues over the last year or so, so that's probably the best. Um, let's kick. Yeah, seriously, let's let's go on to, to projection mapping here. Um, one of the things that's happened at trade shows over the last year or so has been this whole projection mapping thing. And this year is is probably you know at Infocom was was on display like no no other and no pun intended. Panasonic had had the mapping of the Tesla, which first of all having a Tesla mapped is really freaking sweet. Um, <laughs> So, Chris, for, yeah, what from, are they going to do with a car when they're done? Well, uh, give it to me. I don't care. Um, okay. Yeah, they should have done a giveaway. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Cody's back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cody. We are all together. We are all together. Let's see if we can't get through this. Uh, Cody, is there a real use case, I guess, uh, or, or what is the best use case for projection mapping other than to make stuff like a Tesla look cool? Well, I mean, I've seen some really interesting use cases for projection mapping, and that's mostly in like large production. So when you're doing shows, like these amazing shows that you go see, like um, Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil, is something that comes to mind. Exactly, you go down to Vegas and you see these tremendous shows. Uh, I mean, the really difficult thing about projector mapping is you need all this content that's actually 
made for that projection source. It's not like a screen. I mean, you have, you know, we had the four by three screens and then we had to move to 16 by nine, but you're building content specifically for that projection surface. So projection mapping, I think, yeah, it, it belongs in that very specific, very unique use case where you're entertaining people. I think that's my opinion. Okay. Anyways, you bet. Where it belongs. All right, Mr. Bach, from your standpoint, where's, uh, where does projection mapping belong? In an experience center where you want some whiz, bang, wow, or a museum, or like we were just talking about Cirque du Soleil kind of stuff, entertainment. It's a major undertaking to pull one of these shows off. You've got, in this specific case, this Infocom set up six projectors, which mm -hmm. by itself is an investment. Fortunately, they're laser-based in this case, so that's kind of a really cool cost of ownership step forward because in the past you'd have some technician go out every year every other year for lamp replacement and that would be 12 lamps i'll say in that setup and then you'd have to color match each of those projectors because the lamps age non-linearly there but that's not a problem here so it's kind of inversely relative to practical if you will these kinds of setups so custom in a word all the way is where these belong you have to stand out, make an impression. Uh, but aren't we getting to the point where this is becoming commonplace? And, and I, I say that through the lens of I don't engineer the projectors, right? And you know, the places I've seen these have been traditionally trade shows where, Chris, you're right, you know, they, they invest, they, they bring the product, they've got six projectors, they've got, you know, three projectors. But good Lord, it, 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 maybe they're looking, making it look too easy, right? Where... Well, that's the goal. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, if it was impossible for everybody to do, then it wouldn't be appealing as a technology. You want it to stand out. Well, look what we can do, and you can do too. With six but of our projectors. You have to, yeah, you got to take these 3D objects, you have to put them in software, and find boundaries so that it ultimately shoots correctly onto there. So you've got the six projectors, you've got the special structure, you've got the content that got created and only a certain number of people are probably equipped to do that yeah all right dennis from your standpoint where does uh where does projecting projection mapping belong luxury wow and entertainment okay and that's that's really the bottom line it belongs in disneyland too yeah. apparently we're doing um for the 60th here just down the street from our mothership in anaheim apparently they're lighting up the buildings with content josh told me that it was some of the best mapping he'd ever seen in his life. Well, and that that would be our our, our editor in chief, Josh Shrago. And and this is not the first time that Disney has done it. Um, they've they've been mapping um, both the castle in Disneyland as well as Disney World. Um, I saw some videos over the winter of them taking the the castle and taking scenes from Frozen. Again, over the winter, and that makes sense because it's frozen, it's you know, snow and all that jazz. Um, sorry, sometimes you have to explain it to the folks who, who don't have a seven. That haven't heard the soundtrack 400 times. Well, you know, you, you have children under 10 or 12 in your house. You're going to hear, you know, let it go in your sleep in a nightmare. Um, so uh, anyhow. So, yeah, this is not the first time that, that the, the mouse has done it. And so the, the, the Disney and Cirque du Soleil, I get, right? You've got a lot of money. You have a lot of research going in. You've got a lot of technical talent. Um, you've got a real, lot of really, really talented folks who are Disney Imagineers. And, 
if you've ever met a Disney Imagineer, holy cow, uh, those folks are incredibly smart, incredibly talented. And I, every time I, I visit a Disney theme uh, park, I'm, I'm thankful that they're out there. But th- that's not the norm, right? That's not, you know, exactly. walking down the street or, or going to the mall and, and seeing that. That is a special experience, and maybe that's that. Maybe that's kind of what we're saying, guys. Is is that it's an experiential thing? It's it's something where mm-hmm. you go to something like that, and it's not that we expect it, it, but it's it's one of those things where when it happens, it's like, yeah, that, that this feels right. This feels like this is where this is supposed to be. So, I can I can buy that. All right, uh, <laughs> let's go on. Um, Another thing that that uh, you got that Extron released this week is something very interesting to me, at least. Uh, and and Cody, we're gonna we're gonna kind of tail off of this conversation into your conversation as to as to what Jido does. Um, Chris, you guys released something, and we have that habit. What you do? Uh, it, a, a, a gentleman in the in the industry who who covers this. He and I had a. a, a a, a disagreement a couple of years ago when when you guys stopped doing Infocom and and his his position was, um, you you release something every every month or so I I think mm-hmm. um, you know every every six weeks which gets gets good press right and I, and I get that and I understand that but there's also the trade off of of physically going going and, and seeing folks that's that's a whole other conversation so in the last two weeks you have done that very thing which is which is release two or three uh, products. This one, as a programmer, right? And again, this is what I do on a, on a full-time basis. I manage programmers for Innovat. This one is, is holy cow. Um, it's called the TLC Pro, which the fact that you worked in an, a 1990s band is really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an all-in-one uh, touch panel and processor. Yep. Now, not the first one. But it's the right. first one that I'm aware of that is a touch panel, right? Right. I've had experience with button interfaces before that were all in one, but not an actual touch panel. So, first question is, what led to this specific one? Why go with the graphical interface and processor in one? The vast majority of what you see come out as a direct result of advisory councils we have here and dealer feedback. My job is as a field engineer in three states to not only commission things design things but take back what we either aren't making that people want us to make or that we should change which we are already making and you pointed out you've had experience with push button controllers we've made what we call media link controllers for over a decade mm-hmm. and those are fixed you can't get in trouble with those because you only have so many buttons yes, so you can. you bet ah well yeah okay just saying i'll bite I've done but, it. But uh, you can get in less trouble. How's that? Yes, there we go. <laughs> you have 11 buttons max to work with, and they can be configured to do a number of things, but they are what they are. They look the way they are. And the alternative to that is a touch panel, but then somewhere else has to be a box, a brain, that has wires coming out of it. Well, the media link with the push button was the brain, so the wires were coming out of that, and that's what people were asking us for, and that is a direct result from that. And that panel size is kind of the sweet spot for a lot of medium, smaller rooms, you don't always need a 7-inch, 10-inch, 12-inch panel to operate what little equipment there may be in that room. So we took them together. All right, very good. All right, um, Dennis, we'll, we'll get you real quick, uh, and then we're going to bring in Cody. Um, does this make sense? Does this, the whole all-in-one box, um, and I can see two sides of this. Yeah, again, as a programmer, I think I, I, I like it because it, it is 
Um, it's kind of like the all-in-one boxes for um, that have amplifiers and, and DSPs and video switchers and, and processors all in one. This is kind of in that same vein where you have one device that, that kind of does multiple things. Does that make sense for end users or, or would you rather see kind of a componentized system? It absolutely makes sense. <clears throat> all in one box. I mean, what are we going to have in the future that isn't touchscreen? Um, I think that's the way it, everything is going to. And I, I think ease of use, people ought to be ecstatic that that's going to be now available instead of pushing all their buttons and, and you know, the 800 wires coming out. And uh, I think that's just where we're going. I just told you before, we're all going to sit on our sofa and never have to leave again. <laughs> that's right. Other than you guys are going to have to go to get your haircuts. But other than that, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> we're going to be able to just sit here and, and do the information. We were uh, Genesis, We were talking beforehand how a bunch of us got our haircuts this this week, and Dennis did not because he's follically challenged as it as it were. <laughs> uh, Cody, first question is: Does this uh, does this fit uh, in the world of integration? Yeah, sure. I mean, it make it makes sense that you can send out control straight from any device, right? Like as things become more and more connected and they're on a network as opposed to needing a physical connection, it makes sense that there's a piece of software or a piece of hardware or whatever that not only provides the user interface to the user, but also provides that, that network connection in the background to actually control all of the devices. So I think it makes sense. All right. Uh, let's pull this into to kind of what Jido does and, and you guys released this week. Um, I'm not going to say go public because that, that makes it sound like you did an IPO, but, but you kind of made people aware of, of what Jido is and what Jido does. You guys do AV over, over uh, it's a software, right? Um, it's, it's, it's really similar to a couple other companies that, that I'm familiar with. One um, being my buddy uh, Patrick over at AV GUI. He's in Germany. Um, he was at, at Infocom this year, but it's, it's, it's configuration, but it's configuration that lives on a server. So it's more, you know, networked and, and enterprise based. How does something like this and, and, and other interfaces, because you, you still have to have an interface. I mean, there will come a time most likely where some systems will not require an interface, right? And I'm talking as a programmer here and somebody who sees this coming down the line. You're going to come into a, a, a place where occupancy sensors and RFIDs and, and near field communication that's going to be most of our interfaces with with these control systems but you're still going to need something somewhere to say hey you know I want to do this or I want to do that um, as as an enterprise based system like you guys do what does you know what what do how do you guys see interfaces I guess is the best way to ask that when it comes to something that's more enterprise based and, and more network based like that yeah, so he, one of our core beliefs is that like the less interface that you have, the better the system is, really. Okay. You, you should be able to take cues from things such as people walking into the room and the devices that they're carrying and, like you said, occupancy sensors or maybe there's other motion sensors or like facial recognition systems that sit in the room. And you should be able to take all these cues and then cross-reference that information that you have and make things happen without actually having to press any buttons anywhere. Um, right now we do offer your typical 
standard interface that you can pull up on any kind of device, whether that be your iPad, your Nexus, your Surface, whatever you walk in the room with, and you can start to control that room. Uh, the reason that we went that route is because that's what people are used to and that's what they want right now. But it's our belief that as, as technology continues to progress and as that information becomes more in depth on what actually is going on in the room, right now we have motion sensors we know if somebody's in the room, but you know, in the next two or three years, we're going to know who's in the room uh -huh. and we're going to know what's on their calendar and we're going to know what's going on. And there's no reason for them to walk over to any kind of interface, press a button to make anything happen. That should just happen for them as they show up for their, their meeting or their, their class or whatever they're showing up for. So, so my question to that is, cause I'm hearing that too, from all sorts of people. Cause we make room scheduling things. We make, obviously control systems of all shapes and sizes. How do you keep that system from misfiring when someone just came into the room to take a phone call or a janitor comes in to clean up at night versus the monitor turns on or the screen drops down or this or that? That's like the next question that I've been wondering how to deal with going down the road. Yeah, you, you need more reliable data sources of what's actually going on in the room. Like, like I said, right now, a motion sensor really isn't enough information. Exactly. Right? Like, you notice that somebody's in the room, you don't want to go and start making all these actions. So right, right now, that's why we have the buttons you press. But right. in the future, as the technology progresses and we can use beacon technology or something that actually has some kind of information about who that person actually is, and then we're also connected to a calendar where we can cross-reference what's on their schedule. And we have a better, a more in-depth data set on to what actually that person's intention in the room is. That's when you can start to remove those controls that right now are, are honestly still required. Mm -hmm. So are we talking about, because uh, I, I know in my head what I'm, what I'm talking about, and I'm talking about RFIDs and, and, and you know. NFC. That's NFC that's and, yeah. Are you talking about more universal logins Cody are you talking about stuff like this where something you you wear and it can be a wearable it can be something in your pocket like a key fob is that what you're talking about well I, I think you know we've we've worked with some clients where NFC is a valid way to identify who's coming into the room you know you have the badge you're walking into the room mm -hmm. you know that badge is in the room that's that's great um, but as these technologies start to become more adopted by all the users uh, already in your pocket. Most people have a phone and that has beacon technology. Beacon technology is a unique identifier. So starting to look at those things that you don't have to hand out to people and yeah. you know, that is issued by your company, but you're just coming into the space that <laughs> includes your identity with it. That's, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but um, the phone is the one that comes to mind right now and well, eventually watches or something like that yeah the phone makes the most sense uh you know because you've got all this information right and it depends on and it's in your pocket and it's in your pocket right um and it it my household and i kind of do this on purpose because i want to see my wife has an iphone and, and i have an android and i do that on purpose because i want to see both both um ecosystems right and you don't want two phones in your pocket and i don't want two phones in my pocket and I, i'm just an android guy i'm just you know i i like google i you know we use them for the Hangouts. It's everything. I use, you know, Hangouts for my for my SMS, and it just it it, it works for me, right? 
Uh, iPhone works for her. She's not as technical as I am. I'm not saying that you're not technical if you use an iPhone. But both of both ecosystems have this login information, right? They, they know who you are and, and where you are. And um, obviously, there are settings you can change. Um, I was in L.A. last week for some training, and I got to hang out with Chris for a little bit. And um, there was uh, we were going someplace, and, and I was going, actually going back and dropping off my, my, my rental. And I was looking for, for the enterprise around LAX, and... Google Maps said, hey, you were here two days ago. Is this the one you're talking about? Sure enough, that's that's where I need to go. And so for some people, that's scary, right? Um, guys that are my dad's age, right? My, my, my dad's generation. Um, they get freaked out about stuff like that. You know, what do you mean you knew where I was? Well, you know what? Resistance is futile, Tim. Well, it is. You know, <laughs> and again, there are settings. There are settings you can change. Then you can disable things, you know, Um but for me, it it just it works and it makes my life easier. I have no idea where the heck the enterprise that's connected to LAX is. You know, I, I don't spend a lot of time in LA, but that right that feature right there is perfect for me. Um, just because of the amount of traveling I'm doing now with 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 Innovad and some other stuff. You know, next week I'll be in in DC for um for the CI Summit. I, I have no idea where any of this stuff is that that we're going to, but. You know, thanks to Google Maps and, you know, and the other other devices that are on my phone, I can find my way around uh, in a city I've never been to. So. Yeah, how did we all get along without that <clears throat> you technology had, you back had in the maps, day? You had a map. You, you had a map that you couldn't fold. <laughs> you know? Or I remember Thomas, uh, printing out guy. directions to job sites. Exactly. <laughs> and then you would show up at the job site, and it's not the right place. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do <laughs> And then you're like, oh, what do we do now? Well, because your, your instructions were six months old, and there was construction, and, you know, this, and the other side, yeah. All right, last story here from our buddies over at the Daily Do, D-O-O-H, um, from the National Bank of Canada. So here's an interesting thing. It, it, you can play tennis, right? It's in Daily, Daily, Daily Do, uh, digital out of home. They do um, signage, digital, digital signage that are at, that's outside the house. It's interesting things uh, for, for this. First of all, it's just a, it's, it's to commemorate the fact that the Rogers Cup uh, which is a Canadian uh, tennis uh, tournament but you can you can take your phone take your cell phone and connect to this device uh, through a QR code and you can play tennis um, it's a video game that you can play tennis on right there uh, on the street uh, and it's thanks to um, Bank of National Bank of Canada their interactive tennis thing um, first question is and, and uh, Cody we'll start with you on this one what is this? I mean, where where are we going when it comes to digital signage, and things like this? That's obviously it's it's an ad. Let's let's be frank about this. It's an ad for the National Bank of Canada. It's an ad for the Rogers Cup. But it's also something fun, right? And it, and it's a way for them to kind of interact with clients and and potential clients. Um, somebody that I don't know thinks that this is cool and fun, and hey, I'll I'll go put my bank my money in in the National Bank of Canada. Where are we going to end up when it comes to uh, when it comes to digital signage? Yeah, I, I have an interesting case of deja vu here. Um, maybe eight years ago or so, I did uh, Umpqua Bank, and we put in a bunch of Wii's, and we had this digital signage, and it's they played tennis on it. So it's oh, sweet. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that somebody had to write a application to do all of this, but I think. You know, in that project, it was an interesting pilot project that this bank did, and they were testing 
the, you know, what kind of foot traffic is this different digital signage, different technology in our area going to bring into our bank? And you could come in and you could start to play the game, but then you also have the ability on those screens to kind of switch over and start to explore property. Like I want to go out and look for a house to buy or so I, d I do think that people, as people are getting used to kind of adapt or touching things and using this new technology through phones and through tablets and things like that, starting to see it show up in physical spaces where it's on the wall and you walk into a bank and there's something that you're familiar with and you know, mm -hmm. I can go over and see specifically what the bank wants to present to me. I think, yeah, it's, in it's interesting to see what people can do with the, the software that sits behind these displays. Mm -hmm. I think that's really where the power comes into what what's going to happen with the digital signage stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dennis, from your standpoint, what is uh, where does this mean that we're going uh, when it comes to digital signage and, and digital out of home? I mean, we've been talking about a lot of this today where everybody wants to know where we are, what we're doing, and marketing is, uh, you know, you in the simplest form, the magazines that you get on your desk today have gone from an inch thick to about, uh, we were talking about the screen size, to about an eighth of a millimeter thick. Um, there's very few pages. Everything is going to become digitally yep. to you through something, yeah. whether it's your phone, whether it's your TV. Again, I go back to sitting on the couch, and um, these people are going to find you. Yeah, they're going to find you. And... Um, you know, and it's and it's a lot cheaper. While the software, obviously, and the the ability to do this is expensive. You know, once they succeed at this, um, you know, everybody's going to know everything about everybody. And and we got to be careful. Uh, well, I don't mind. You you can know all you want about me, and if you want to, <laughs> you know, if you're you, you want to come in my phone and tell me you're going to offer me uh, 1.6 percent for, you know, my a 30-year mortgage or a 15-year mortgage, more power to you. But uh, there are people, a lot of people who use this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The one thing that that I, I kind of harken uh, this back to, and I, and I hate using the, this movie because everybody overuses it when they start talking about technology and, and futuristic stuff, and that's Minority Report. Um, because not only do you have the the great user interface there in, in Minority Report when when Tom Cruise's character is is you know talking about the cases and he's got this giant you know um, interface in front of him, but it's it's the digital signage right the part of of Minority Report. Whereas he's running through the terminal, uh, his retinas are being scanned, his his his, his eyes are get, getting scanned, and they are serving up ads specifically tailored to him and calling his character out by name you know you know cody we think that you're you know we, we know where you know you're, you're from this area and you're interested in this we think you might like this type thing um and that actually kind of goes back to the the um the interfaceless program or the inter interfaceless control systems where you walk into a room that room knows you right that room knows that you're a professor Smith and Professor Smith doesn't want to touch a darn thing. Uh, there's a lot of professors out there at, like that, and they just want to, all they use is they use their iPad, right? So as soon as Professor Smith walks into the room, the phone is recognized by the control system. The control system drops the screen, turns on the projector, and only allows and automatically connects uh, their iPad to uh, the projector and allows them to present from the iPad and as soon as that professor walks out the room, the system shuts down, right? Uh, that's some of what we're talking about here. So, all 
All right, guys, that is going to do us. Uh, Mr. Dennis, thank you so much. Dennis Holzer from Powerhouse Alliance. Um, how can people get a hold of you, sir? They can find me at dholzer at powerhousealliance.com or www.powerhousealliance.com. Um, the nice thing is we don't release products. We just get in your eyes and market them and, and distribute them all over the country through 40 different warehouses. So if you're looking for anything in the residential field of audio, video, now security, and we're just really starting to poach into the light commercial stuff, um, we're the place to go, and we hope you'll come see us. Yeah, tell, Tim, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Tell people what, um, what, uh, what Powerhouse Alliance is. Uh, specifically. Powerhouse, Powerhouse is a consortium of 12 different members um, that are territorially bound that collectively we have 40 warehouses across the country and our main base of trade is the integrator um, and again we we got together as a result of audio and video residentially and we've migrated into uh, the light commercial stuff residential security um, doing a lot of network. We're one of the six people who uh, sell Ubiquity products directly from Ubiquity, which is has become an unbelievable line out there. Um, so we cater to the independent integrator who can, uh, you know, stop at one of our 40 warehouses. And, and again, you know, in today's business, not a lot of people stock inventory. So that's, we're just in time and um, doing pretty good at it. Right, very good. And we'll see you at, at Cedia this year? You will see us at Cedia. Uh, we actually have two booths. Wow. And uh, we we were the first group, and people are laughing, but I don't think they'll be laughing for long. We're the first group that uh, has taken a deal with Vizio, and Vizio is going to be releasing a lineup of product specifically for the custom installer. And more importantly, they're going to be introducing the largest TV, which will be 120 inches oh. diagonal, and we will be showing that in our booth at CDA. Okay, then. I will so have to looking, come by and see the 120 inch and see if I can't convince my wife that we need that. Uh, <laughs> Cody, Cody, okay, chill Cody Cochaber. Good Lord, from Jido. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and, and find out more about Jido? Jido, J-Y-D-O dot com is the best place to come and check out what we're what we're up to. Uh, tweet at us at, at Jido HQ or send me an email directly, K-O-D-Y at J-Y-D-O dot com. All right, very good. Uh, last but not least, uh, my buddy Chris Bach from Extron Electronics. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I made it back just in time. Google You're... told me I was done because of authentication issues, so that was exciting. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> It's the California connection. We can only be on, on connected to California for, for 45 minutes, and then they cut us off. Ah, yes. Limited packets for you. It is. So, How can people get a hold of you uh, and or Extron? They can go to extron.com for all things Extron all the time, and they can get a hold of me with an email, cbach at extron.com. All right. Very good. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, go by the website. That's the best place. Uh, we have a fancy-schmancy little... Um, form that you can fill out it goes to me there's nothing fancy about it but if you want to get a hold of me directly it's tim at avnation.tv but the website avnation.tv avnation.tv you will find this program and a host of others i mentioned it at the beginning of the show we're going to do a special 
from the CI Summit next week. A lot of the 40 under 40 uh, from this year and last year will be there. Uh, so check that out uh, coming next week. We also have a couple uh, more international shows coming down the pipeline. Tons of new shows. Uh, our education-focused show, EdTech, has got a new one coming up. State of Control, Live Life. Uh, we have a brand newly um, revamped and retooled DIY show uh, starting back up again in September. So check all that out, if you would, please. Also, check out our underwriters. They're, they're really great folks that help us do what we do. I mentioned the fact that we're going to be at Cedia. Extron is one of those folks. Uh, Advanced AV, we, we talked about them at the beginning also. Where they... Uh, they give us money because they, they, they enjoy what we do, they appreciate what we do, and they help us bring you uh, the, these, these programs, help us bring you coverage of all the different uh, different events. So uh, let them know that you appreciate that as well. Avionation.tv, avionation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.